Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It is Friday, June 4th, 2021. The latest job report is out. 559,000 new jobs created in May. That's better than April, but not as great as what was hoped for. Uh, Economic analysts were hoping to see about 100,000 more jobs. Than that, we will get into the numbers. Also today, soap opera alert. Move over as the world turns. Welcome to the new soap opera we like to call as Anthony Fauci turns. His buddy, Joe Biden, gave him a vote of confidence today in Delaware, despite all the email controversy. And by the way, today, Fauci actually says he now wants to see China release the medical records of the Wuhan lab researchers who fell ill back when COVID started. Hey, so here's what I thought. Why wasn't that done a very long time ago? Anyhow. Mike Pence today, back on the speaking circuit, actually was in New Hampshire last night. He's clearly showing signs that he's interested in running for president, potentially. But did his actions on January 6th sink his chances? We will discuss. And Donald Trump gets set to make a return this weekend. He's going to be speaking uh, in North Carolina. Later on in the show, you want to stick around for our Trump was right segment. We will show you in detail how many times POTUS 45 ended up being right and the media dead wrong. But first, Joe Biden decided to take a break from his daily nap and eating ice cream to address the news that the new jobs report this morning is out and the unemployment rate fell a little bit, a trickle to 5.8 percent. And also, despite a jobs report that fell about 100,000 jobs short of what forecasters were predicting, Biden still called it good news. The first time since the pandemic hit, the first 14 months, first time, first time in 14 months, we saw the largest decline in the number of long-term unemployed more in more than an entire decade in the last 10 years. Long-term unemployment dropped by the second largest amount ever recorded. Not only that, but the signs of further progress are already here. This report is based on a weekly uh, uh, in a week in early May. That's how we they determined the, uh, the job rate growth or loss. We have growth. And that was in this that week in May, we only had 35 percent of working age adults had been fully vaccinated. Now we're still all they were still all wearing masks. Since then, 21 million more adults have gotten vaccinated, making it easy for them to return to work safely. In short, this is progress, historic progress. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Thank, thanks for waking me, Madison. I appreciate it. That's 50 seconds of my life I cannot get back. I know what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to put that on loop. I'm going to say, kids, family, members, gather around. Let's watch Joe Biden say that, like, literally all day long, like a 24-hour marathon, kind of like that Christmas story marathon that you see at Christmas. I, that's what we're going to do. Oy, oy uh, let's get some insight into this and all things political with our good friend Liz Harrington editor-in-chief of War Room, 
Liz, thanks, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Hey, David, thanks for having me. Well, Liz, these job numbers, I mean, Biden thinks they're pretty good. What, what are your thoughts? That explanation, uh, you're right. It's hard to stay awake during it, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Blaming uh, people not getting vaccinated. No, what we're back to is the Obama years, where it was always below expectations. It's funny how that works. The experts always forecast great things for these far left regimes. And in reality, their policies don't work. And in fact, I think are designed to sink our great economy. Look at the gas prices, look at inflation. American workers are really suffering because of specific actions that the Biden regime has taken in shutting down our energy independence. Um, and also the Democrat run states that have been shut down for a year. And you'll notice under President Trump, the, uh, the economists always forecast, you know, lower expectations and we were constantly beating expectations. That's the difference between the two policy agendas. And unfortunately, the American people are having to suffer with that difference. Yeah. Speaking about the American people having to suffer, uh, we've had a look at all these Fauci emails uh, and, and conservatives are up in arms and uh, the liberal media is like, what's there to see here? There's no I mean, it's it, it's shocking to me to see the difference in, in the reporting, which just shows that uh, things are out of control and journalism is indeed dead in America, uh, for sure. Uh, this headline from The Hill, though, was interesting. It says, uh, Anthony Fauci calls on China to release medical records of Wuhan researchers. So here's my question, Anthony Fauci. Why, why didn't he call for that, like, when we saw in those emails that he knew a year ago that this could have been potentially engineered? Because he was busy covering it up. He was busy covering up his own role in shipping gain-of-function research to weaponize coronaviruses to Wuhan. And that's exactly why. This guy's a weasel. He's a liar. His emails expose that on every issue, whether it's masks, whether it's asymptomatic spread. This man has been lying. And worst of all, he's been shilling for China. You know, he got an email that said very early on that this virus was likely genetically engineered. Also that China, the communist regime, was rigging their numbers. And his response was too long, didn't read. Well, what exactly do you do here, Dr. Fauci, except go on TV and you have the corrupt media giving you praise. While meanwhile, for a year, you were covering up the origins of the virus because it implicated his own agency, his funding, his own research. That's what's going on here. And I think it's finally coming out. But what could have been done for a year getting to the bottom of this, actually getting to the truth? But we saw throughout this pandemic, it was used to hurt President Trump. It was used to hurt the American people. It was used to help China and get President Trump out of office. And now it's yeah. all coming out. To see. It very much feels like a drip, drip, drip scenario as well. I, I don't think we've obviously heard the last of any of this. So let's go to get, let's get to Mike Pence. This is a sensitive subject. Let's be honest, right? I mean, you know, within maybe not MAGA world, but in the kind of the conservative Republican writ large circle here, uh, January 6th and Mike Pence and his inaction, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. This is what Pence said about January 6th yesterday in New Hampshire. Have a look. January 6th was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. But thanks to the swift action of the Capitol Police and federal law enforcement, violence was quelled. The Capitol was secured. And that same day, we reconvened the Congress and did our duty.
under the Constitution and the laws of the United States. You know, President Trump and I have spoken many times since we left office. And I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that day. But I will always be proud of what we accomplished for the American people over the last four years. I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye. You won't. They won't. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty clear. Liz, what, what's going on here with Pence? Because, I, I don't know, my read on it politically is that if he's going to get back into the fray, I mean, he's lost quite a bit of the MAGA base. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, then the question is, what, what kind of play does he have politically if he tries to kind of do, not the Mitt Romney, I'm not saying he's Mitt Romney at all, but kind of like the broader kind of suburban conservative base that doesn't really enjoy Trump, is not part of the MAGA land. I don't know what he's trying to do exactly here. Well, it's not going to work uh, because Americans know, especially President Trump supporters know from here on out, on any fundamental central issue, Mike Pence will sell out to the Uniparty. And, you know, he's right that it was a dark day. It was a dark day because a Trump supporter was killed in cold blood. It was also a dark day because Mike Pence lied about what President Trump was asking for. He moved the goalposts. He said, oh, he's asking me to overturn the election. No, President Trump was asking him to send it back to the states, to follow the Constitution, to let these state legislatures who wanted to reexamine the Electoral College should let them do their business. And instead he lied about that ask, and instead he moved the goalpost to what Nancy Pelosi, what Chuck Schumer, what Mitch McConnell, what the Uniparty wanted. And it was a dark day for a constitutional republic because they used that Capitol being let open, let it, when they had no security there whatsoever, when they let them walk right in, mm -hmm. they used that to rubber stamp a fraudulent election. That is a dark day. And the people will not forget what Mike Pence did. Do you, so, so you think Mike Pence, I mean, and you're not the first to tell me this. He has no this. future. He, he has no, no future. That's what I want to ask. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, absolutely not. Because that is a betrayal, not to Donald Trump. It's a betrayal to the truth. And his true colors really came out. And it was so disappointing because I know so many of us really love Mike Pence. We supported him. We thought he was a great, loyal, uh, great vice president for the country. But when it came down to the truth and the courage to take a stand for the truth, he didn't do it, and he caved to the Uniparty, and people won't forget that. Yeah, he did have, he had an out there, uh, you know, the kick it to the legislature. He, he could have done that. That would have been a very, very controversial. I got to run. We'll talk about it another time, but Liz, thank you so very much. Uh, great stuff. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, and you, and folks that have watched the water cooler for a while, I know how I feel about Pence. You know, I, he's a great guy. Look, he's a great guy. Uh, I, I do think he had an out. He could have sent it back to the legislature, for sure. Would it have caused combustion in America? One million percent. Uh, but he had an out. He didn't take it. Uh, I'm still kind of sifting through it myself. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Here's a shocker. The unemployment rate trickled down, and there were uh, 559 
100,000 uh, new jobs that were added. There's the Just the News headline. Let's put it up. There it is. Look at that. U.S. economy in May added 559,000 new jobs. I say uh, such a shocker, and I'm being sarcastic, because, hey, COVID's ending, and people are going back to work. But did it meet expectations? I guess apparently, according to the economic prognosticators, it's still not as great as they were hoping for. Let's get some more details now with Dave Bratt. Uh, who is down at Liberty University, the dean of the School of Business down there. Dave, good to see you, sir. Yeah, hey, thanks, David. So this uh, jobs report, what are we supposed to make of it? Biden was touting it earlier as like, oh, it's progress, it's good. Well, progress, but I mean, last month was really bad, so I guess this is technically progress. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a confusing picture because we don't have working markets right now. So uh, we shut down the entire economy, uh, which is quite a huge distortion, is what we call it in economics. And now <laughs> that's a whole separate debate and a whole separate uh, news piece as to uh, whether the uh, full shutdown for uh, so long was required to, to cure the disease. Uh, but let's just do the economics now. So we missed the predicted targets. Uh, but we're also seeing what distortion means in economics. Well, once you have one economic distortion and you mess with the price system, uh, like shutting down uh, the entire economy and then the potential threat of tax increases and then uh, additional minimum wage stuff for restaurants and whatever, uh, and people recalculate. And then on top of that, we got some global unrest. Uh, and some cyber attacks uh, targeting the uh, pipelines and beef prices. Uh, then on top of that, you have some inflation worries. And so these are all significant stories in themselves. And so the, the worry is uh, there's big demand because the Fed stuck, you know, 10 trillion in fiscal stimulus, $10 trillion. And the Federal Reserve stuck in another 7 trillion in uh, stimulus uh, over time. And so you have huge money sitting out there, but that doesn't mean the productive economy uh, can keep up with it all. And especially on the labor side, everyone's searching for labor right now. People are still getting checks, minimum wages going up. Uh, the, some students are still at home. And so uh, we have to sort this out. And I, unfortunately, I'm not optimistic. Uh, and it's going to take a year or two. And, and that's assuming the best case scenario, that we stay where we are. But if we get new... Uh, you know, big, huge federal government programs coming down the pike in D.C., that adds more distortions and makes uh, business more nervous. Uh, and they're all woke already, right? I mean, they're paying off the left uh, every which way. Right. Uh, so we got we got a mess on our hands, in other words, in short so, term. So, Dave, what's the advice from Dave Bratt to Joe Biden? So you're in an office with Joe yeah. Biden. He's falling asleep. He's, he needs to take his nap. But eventually he gets up. And then you and him are talking. What is that advice to Joe Biden economically as to, hey, hey, Joe, I got a five-point uh, five plan. Here you go. This is, here's some things you need to do and do them stat. Yeah, well, I, I won't even pretend to, you know, give him the free market counsel. You know, get get <laughs> right. your hands off the economy, right? The, the economy uh, did great from 1776 on. Uh, we, we became the richest country in the world because we left the economy alone. We let the American citizens show uh, their work ethic, which is a global standard. And so, I mean, I would, I would just appeal to his, you know, Pennsylvania lunch bucket Joe mentality mm -hmm. and say, you know, Joe, you know, please try to help the middle class. All the, all the biggies love you. You, 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 you. You've protected all the big corporations. They worship you. All the woke fi Fortune 500 loves you. 
but you're leaving the uh, middle class behind, Joe, and you promised to do the opposite of that. And so you know uh, all those little mom and pop diners and shops and uh, stores across Pennsylvania and the Midwest or whatever, you know they can't deal with a $15 minimum wage, Joe. Mm-hmm. And you know they can't deal with increased tax burdens. Uh, and you need to make sure government's working for them, not for the elites. And so, you know, take the burden off. And then your regulatory burdens, Joe, I, I know you, you created a whole new green sector that runs through the swamp, uh, but the small business folks cannot handle that extra elitist burden so, you're placing on them. So, so, Dave, let me understand this, because you're saying, so, so here's the thing, Joe Biden goes around and says the exact opposite. I mean, he, he basically says... Yeah. Democrats, his administration, they're working for the little guy, that it's about the middle class, and they try to spin it in a certain way. I guess what? Because they want bigger corporate uh, taxes. They want to tax the wealthy. I mean, I'm assuming this is their their playbook. This is why they think they're for the little guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, they, uh, unfortunately, the the Marxist playbook has always worked, Mm -hmm. right? The, uh, the, left says, hey, we're going to increase the size of federal government for you. You're getting ripped off right now. These these capitalists are ripping you off. That's the Marxist lingo, right? And we're right. here for you. We're here for the working man. Well, what they don't tell you now is all of the elite donors, the, the big six tech firms, their market caps worth more than Europe combined. Uh, what they don't tell you is that government increase and largesse is going to these big elitist capitalists. And the Democrat Party is now the the party of the global elites. They're representing China. The big CEOs cannot say no to China unless there's government leadership or we say, look, no, we can no longer trade with a totalitarian surveillance state that surveils their own people. And our big tech U.S. folks are helping them surveil uh, a billion yeah. Chinese people. It's not the Chinese people's right. fault. It's the Communist Party. And it, it's just shocking that uh, even my free trade buddies, some of them say that, you know, it's OK to trade with a totalitarian regime. And I'm going, man, you missed you missed ethics 101. Let, let's go for sure. Hey, Dave, I got 30 seconds, but here's the bottom yep. line. Uh, where's the Republican Party leadership on this as it relates to the, the argument you just articulated that they're not they're not pushing back on this stuff at all. I mean, they have no coherent message uh, economically, yep. fiscally. Yep, they want it both ways. I don't think they see the writing on the wall yet. It's a populist party now. Uh, the 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 win uh, that Trump had originally was the was the way Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, the Midwest, Pennsylvania, uh, and the mid the, the the middle class wants to hear some something other than uh, we support elites also yeah. on the Republican side. They're mm-hmm. just protecting their donors. Dave Bratt, uh, great to see you. Love talking to you on a Friday. It gives me a lot to think about over the weekend, so I appreciate you. Thanks, David. Appreciate you back. Thanks, all, brother. All right. He appreciates us back, Madison. Did you hear that? Were we, are we rolling on this show? Can we get that on my uh, reel? Not a blooper reel. I got plenty of those. Uh, but if we can just get that on my all David Brody. I just spoke in the third person. That is extremely narcissistic. The all David Brody sizzle reel, as I like to call it. Let's put that on the sizzle reel. Thank you, Dave Bratt. Uh, Coming next, Joel Rosenberg, the editor-in-chief of All Israel News. BB looks to be bye-bye. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Looks like BB is going bye-bye. These are the latest headlines coming out of Israel. It's been percolating for a while, and indeed, it looks to be true. (laughs) It looks to be true. It's true. What am I? looks to be true. Netanyahu on his way out after a dozen years. This is pretty much a fait accompli. That's the best French you will ever hear me do. That's the only French I know. Uh, Joel Rosenberg, editor-in-chief of All Israel News, back with us from Jerusalem. Joel, always great to see you, sir. Great to see you, David. Thank you. Uh, The end of the road, clearly, for Netanyahu. What's happening here? What's the latest, and what do we expect to see here in the next, I don't know, week or so, 10 days? Yeah, David, I I would only correct you slightly to say all all things are set for a new government, but it hasn't happened. Until you see a new government, I would not uh, I would not say it's a done deal, but but uh, it, it doesn't seem like Netanyahu has any more tricks up his sleeve. He is a shrewd political cat. You do not get to be the longest serving prime minister in the history of the modern state of Israel unless you uh, know how to do full metal jacket political combat. And nobody does it better than Bibi. So, so I think. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't rule him out, but I think we are about to embark on a dramatic change. And I think most people have never heard of the next prime minister's name or the next foreign minister. Or the, the, these are not names that are known because Netanyahu has dominated not just Israeli politics, but American politics regarding Israel for so long. Um, the, there's going to be a lot of re-education and, and sort of like, who? Naftali Bennett, Who? Yair Lapid, who? I think that's what we're about to do and what all Israel news, we're trying to cover it moment by moment, day by day. Joel, what should we know? What's kind of uh, the Reader's Digest version of Naftali Bennett uh, as it relates to uh, how he compares to a Netanyahu uh, and also what it means for many of those conservative Christian supporters of Israel? Yeah. Well, this is what's so fascinating, David, because uh, Naftali Bennett... Who, who looks to be the next prime minister, he's an exact protege, literally trained and recruited by Netanyahu. Um, he served in the same special forces uh, unit in the Israeli military that Netanyahu did. He became incredibly successful in business after the army, sold one of his companies for $145 million, um, was recruited by Netanyahu to come into politics as Netanyahu's chief of staff. Now, think about that. Wow. This guy is almost an exact replica. He thinks the way uh, Bibi thinks in terms of policy, in terms of worldview. He's the first religious kippah-wearing, uh, Torah-observant Jew ever in the history of in the modern history of Israel to be prime minister. But Netanyahu hates him. He had a huge falling out with Bennett years ago, and drove him right out of the party. And now, and, and yet. Now, uh, Bennett or ben, BB is saying terrible things about Bennett, but the man served as defense minister. He served as education minister. He's young, 49, but he's pretty well experienced. And uh, we'll have to see how he does in his first uh, his first uh, big 
moment on the stage as prime minister. I don't want to get too much in the weeds. What was that um, fallout about? Uh, do you have a summary, uh, basically, of what, why they, why he doesn't like Bennett specifically? The simplest way to put it is it's a chronic um, reflex by Netanyahu to drive away anyone that's beginning to emerge as potentially more popular than him. Got it. Uh, to put it evangelical terms, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has many strengths, but he is not a disciple maker. Mm. Okay, if a disciple starts to get too much clout, he drives them off. I mean, or or squashes them, and that's there was really this huge fallout. Ben has still worked for um, Netanyahu in various cabinet roles, mm. but was driven out. Okay, so uh, Joel, you published a piece on All, All in Israel News uh, uh, today. It caught my attention. This is what the headline says. Will Christians support new Israeli government? Many will, but one prominent evangelical has declared war on uh, Naftali Bennett, sir, uh, sent scathing letter denouncing him with profanity, quote, I will fight you every step of the way. Can you explain this to us? Sure. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> uh, a guy that I consider a friend, uh, he's uh, he's quixotic, uh, Mike Evans, um, is a, a prominent American evangelical from Dallas, uh, was on Trump's uh, evangelical advisory board. I've taken him on a number of my trips as evangelical leaders to meet with Arab leaders. Uh, Evans is very close to Benjamin Netanyahu. They've known each other literally for like 40 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he sent me this letter today and um, I first heard about it from Naftali Bennett's people saying, what's going on with Mike Evans? And I was like, I don't know. I, so I checked with Mike and Mike sent me this letter. We published it exclusively. Now it's starting to be published everywhere in Israel, but it is a humdinger. I, I, and, and I have to say, I understand that Evans is defending his guy, right? right. I, I, I totally get that and I respect that. But the language, I mean, to have profanity in, in a letter by, um, an evangelical to denounce Bennett as a traitor, as as uh, as you know, just betraying uh, the right wing cause, betraying evangelicals. I don't see it. <laughs> I, I don't see it at all. Um, and besides, remember, Netanyahu is doing desperately trying to recruit Bennett, despite their falling out, back into his government. And Bennett said yes. He said, you just need yeah. to get two more seats so you can form a government. I'm with you. Bibi couldn't do it, so Bennett went a different direction. This seems like uh, hysterics, um, and, and it's disappointing, but yeah. it, it happens uh, in politics. Joel, I've got 30 seconds. I know we can't talk about settlements, if you will, in 30 seconds, but can you at least give me a sense of where Neftali Bennett might be as it relates to settlements compared to Netanyahu? Is he to the right? I can't imagine he's to the right of Netanyahu. Where, where is he exactly on the settlements issue in 30 seconds? He's a straight right-wing guy. He, he, he believes in building settlements. I don't think many settlements are going to be built because he had to build a coalition with centrists and left-wing parties, too, including the first ever Arab party to get involved in an Israeli government. So it's going to be very across the board, but it's mostly right-wing, actually. Uh, most of the, in fact, most of the people in the in the coalition are former chiefs of staff or senior advisors to Netanyahu, who all got driven out yeah. of the league party. Joel Rosenberg from Jerusalem in the evening on a Friday night. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Joel. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom for sure. Uh, I love that. Shabbat shalom brings me back to my days of my youth.
Yes, I was bar mitzvahed. Yes, I was confirmed at the age of 14. And yes, there were plenty of Shabbat Shalom going on in the house. Look it up, Gen Z. Hey, forget Gen Z. If you don't know it, look it up. Back in a moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Look, I have said for a long time that I truly believe journalism is dead in America. Folks, the liberal media... It's a bunch of garbage. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, etc. Love to talk about how you can't trust conservative media. But hey, they have it exactly backwards. The reason conservative alternative media gains traction is because people are searching for truth. And the libs in the media are agenda-seeking. They're not truth-seeking. And that's the real issue here. Now, case in point, Donald Trump. POTUS 45 exposed their liberal agenda corruption like never before. They had it in for Trump ever since he glided down that escalator. Anyhow, have you ever noticed how the media always wants you to believe that they are right? They always call themselves truth seekers, that you can trust them, right? That they have this, like a Pharisee mentality that they are all knowing and how dare anyone come against them. Well, guess what? Trump came against them time and time again. And you know what? Trump was right. He was right not only about their perverse liberal ideology, but it goes much deeper than that. The media love to tell you how Donald Trump was wrong about everything in the universe. But folks, guess what? As time went on, he ended up being right about tons of stuff that the media totally castigated him over. And now the liberal media is forced to write headlines about how Trump was right. Let me show you a few examples coming from liberal media publications or those who are no fan of Donald Trump, by the way. So why don't we start with the latest example? There it is. Trump right to call out China over COVID-19 origin. This is a no-brainer. The media has total egg on their, on their face. Trump called this Wuhan lab theory a year ago. Here it is on videotape. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And what gives you a high degree of confidence that this originated from the Wuhan Institute of Virology? I can't tell you that. Trump was right. Time and time, he talked up the Wuhan lab leak theory, and time and time again, the media laughed. Well, guess who is laughing now? All right, let's move on. How about this classic? Remember when Trump said this about having a vaccine by the end of the year? We are very confident that we're going to have a vaccine at the end of the year, by the end of the year, have a vaccine. By the end of this year. We think we're going to have a vaccine by the end of this year. Trump was right, despite the media thinking that would never happen. Now, here is an Australian journalist admitting the truth. Donald Trump was right when he said that there would be a coronavirus vaccine. He said so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and he did so as early as May of this year. Trump was right. All right, how about hydroxychloroquine? Remember the media 
belly laughing over Trump saying he's taking hydroxychloroquine <laughs> when, when he got COVID and also he said he was going to take it to prevent it? Well, looky here. <laughs> this headline, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin therapy at a higher dose improves survival by nearly 200% in ventilated COVID patients. Hmm. Let's say those words again together. Trump was right. And it doesn't end. There's this headline pertaining to COVID. When Trump was right, and many Democrats were wrong. Uh, we're going to go on to that, too. This was about when Trump had been saying for months that schools should be open. Well, he was right. And then there's this headline. It's not just COVID. Look at this one. I love this headline. The Fed concedes that Trump was right all along. Basically, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell admitted that the Fed has undershot its 2% annual inflation target. Well, guess what? It was Trump who had been consistently saying that the Fed has been too tight on all of this. All right, here's a good one. Let's go to this one. Gas prices, he got that right, too. Here's the evidence. Electricity during peak hours and gas prices. You like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6, and $7? Darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. <laughs> let's get a compact. Folks, by the way, how much are you paying for gas? You're probably paying about three bucks, maybe even four bucks. Hey, in California, $5 gas out there. So Trump was right on that, too. Oh, no. How about this one, too? This is an oldie but a goodie. I love this one. Trump was right, after all, about the Obama administration wiretaps. Remember that? People laughed at him when he said his phones were tapped. My phones are tapped. My phones are tapped. Well, guess what? They were. We now know it was true all along. That ain't Pizzagate. That ain't conspiracy stuff, folks. Look it up. All right, now back to the present. The hits keep on coming. I love this one from the current Secretary of State, Tony Blinken. The headline, Tony Blinken says Trump was right in taking a tougher approach to China. Huh? You don't say. Blinken goes on to say, quote, the basic principle was the right one. And I think that's actually helpful to our foreign policy. <laughs> that's Biden's Secretary of State saying that about Trump. So much more. Trump was right about the drugs in Mexico. This headline, Trump was right on Mexican drugs. Now what? Remember, folks, all the headlines and information that I'm showing you right now are not from Trump-loving websites, okay? Keep that in mind. So, of course, you remember when Trump said all the stuff about drugs at the beginning of his campaign for president. Remember the illegal immigrants bringing drugs over the border, etc.? Well, of course he was right. We knew it then. We know it now. This article goes on to say that Trump was onto something, especially as, regard, as it regards America's current epidemic of heroin, debilitating and dangerous narcotics are crossing the border. And in the case of heroin, the drugs are largely manufactured in, wait for it, Mexico. Folks, I could go on and on all day and night. A couple more. Shall we do a couple more? I've got about a minute and a half. Let me do a couple more. The headline, Donald Trump was right to ban Huawei. After all, studies suggest what we have here is new information showing that Trump made the right decision in imposing a ban on Huawei due to national security threats. Because it turns out, folks, there are indeed deep links between some of Huawei's key staff and Chinese military intelligence. And finally, Here's a no-brainer, but one we had to include because, look, it's been so true ever since Joe Biden set foot in the Oval Office. Trump was right. Biden is a Trojan horse for progressives. Folks, Donald Trump told all of America that Biden was lying to them. He claimed he was a moderate. 
You know, that type of guy. He told Americans that Biden was a secret tool for the progressive agenda. And guess what? He was one million percent correct. Trump was right. Now, Biden, what is he being hailed as today by the liberal media? He's the new FDR. He's Mr. New Deal. Trump called it. He knew it. And now all of America knows it. A final few thoughts to just wrap up to say simply this. Is Trump the smartest guy in the world? Look, if you're going to go to Harvard or Yale, you're going to find Trump at the top of the class. No, but you know where he grew up? He grew up in Queens. He grew up in New York. He's got street smarts. And I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I'll take someone with street smarts over book smarts any day of the week. Trump was right. We're back in a moment with more on the water pool. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. everybody time for the last sip you got to really feel for anthony fauci don't you i mean don't you just feel sorry for him insert sarcastic emoji uh, here's a just the news headline uh, emails show that uh, fauci pushed voluntary health care masking after publicly emphasizing their importance uh, basically the gist of the article goes something like this that you know he thought that the masks were important if you were a healthcare professional but at the time, a year ago or so, he was saying, eh, don't worry about masks. And then, of course, he changed that tune and said, you need to worry about it. Everybody needs to wear a mask. Your, your dog needs to wear a mask. Your guinea pig needs to wear a mask. Uh, speaking of guinea pigs, weren't we all guinea pigs? <laughs> Anyhow, um, that's the bottom line on that story. So Joe Biden, uh, you, you would think uh, that he might have some questions for Anthony Fauci and say, wait a minute, uh, uh, Tony, uh, what's going on here? No. Uh, instead, he's getting the uh, proverbial vote of confidence. Uh, he had that in Delaware this morning when asked about Fauci by reporters. Here it is. Are you expecting a counteroffer, Mr. President? I'll tell you after I meet this afternoon. Mr. President, you talk Coxes and Dr. Fauci? Yes, I'm very confident. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. Did he, he, Madison, did he popped his head outside the door? Like, like that, that was just so weird, right? Like, he's gone. He's left the building like Elvis, and all of a sudden, like, are you confident in Fauci? No response. Door closes. And then he's like, yes. That was kind of weird. Anyhow, so there's your vote of confidence. Uh, but why is this administration not asking more questions? Okay, you, everybody's getting on the Trump administration uh, for, for saying, oh, you're being too hard on Fauci. Well, why is the Biden administration not being hard on Fauci? Anyhow, uh, the whole thing is leaving me perplexed. Now, having said that, uh, look, I'm a jovial guy. I'm, well, I'm a kind of a heavy jovial guy. Uh, and, and I like to have some, some fun, and it's the weekend, and I don't want to talk about Fauci anymore. We've talked about him enough. There's a lot of depressing things in the world. So we figured it's a Friday. Let's have a little fun. Shall we leave you with, a, I don't know, Madison found this. I'm going to admit, Madison, you, you're going to take the fall for this, or you can take the credit. But ladies and gentlemen, we found something that will make you smile on a Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, I present... As a, this has nothing to do with anything political. The Dancing Turtle. 
Now that, sorry, I was dancing on camera. Now that, it's gonna make you smile. Smile on this Friday. Don't worry, the world's not coming to an end. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. Uh, end of the show. It's a Friday. That means I'll be napping in the next hour or so. But before that, Joe Weber, uh, who never puts us to sleep, the news editor of JustTheNews.com. Joe, good to see you, sir. Back on Skype. I'm thoroughly disappointed. Not me too, but I'll be back Monday. Okay, good to know. I'll put that on my calendar. Madison, we have that on the calendar. Joe, back Monday. Uh, all right, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, it's been an interesting 24 hours for President Trump and his social media um, endeavors here. Not to bury the headline, but as we found out today, just a little while ago, that Facebook has suspended his account for at least two years as of January 7th, 2023. But let's let me walk you through a couple things here. We find out yesterday that he's quit his blog, right? And we find out what Jason Miller tells us, uh, that's his spokesperson, that this was always intended to be. We find out a little later on, he's a bit, he's coming out, he's a bit frustrated with the fact that he wasn't getting a lot of responses. Then overnight, this news gathering operation from the tech world, The Verge, uh, owned by Vox, comes out with this story that they scooped everybody, New York Times, Post, et cetera, that Facebook is going to no longer have protected speech for politicians, right? But buried in that story, you find out that everybody forgot that on June 5th, which would be Saturday, that advisory board, which is supposed to rule on whether President Trump would get reinstated, was supposed to make a decision. Well, no one's going to do that on Saturday, arguably. So you had to presume they were going to do it on on Friday. And sure enough, they did. I tried to convince some other reporters today and others uh, in, the, in the news meeting. I had a reporter's hunch that maybe President would dump this blog because he had the expectation that he was going to get reinstated. Uh, I could be right. I could be wrong. But it's an interesting chain of events. And it all seems a bit too coincidental that all these three things would happen all of a sudden disparately. Uh, within 24 hours. Yeah, for sure. Though I would say that for him to get reinstated on Facebook, that would have been a long shot, wouldn't it have? It was, yeah. That's the only thing that you one wonders. He had to be extremely optimistic to have thought that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Joe Weber. Joe Weber, thanks. I hope you have a great weekend. More importantly, I can't wait to see you Monday. You say you're going to be here in this. You're going to be here. I promise. Yeah, I'm going to take the number N20 bus. <laughs> All right. When Joe Weber promises something. We need to listen to that. All right, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Joe Weber, I'm going to say this, Joe Weber on Skype, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hey, by the way, what's interesting, two-year ban. Oh, but do you hear what Joe said? At least two years, as in I can see this going right to January 2023, and all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I think we'll ban him again, especially if he runs for president. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'll ban him right through January of 2025, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you all back here on Monday.